Hello and welcome to the Hyperion. Oh, you can do better. Than okay, that. All right, sorry. Wow, <laughs> gloves are off. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Hyperion Hub, your meeting place for all things Disney. Now your hosts. Hello and welcome to the Hyperion Hub, your meeting place for all things Disney. I'm John Alois and joined by my critic. Sean Degenhart. I am here. <laughs> and John Redling Shaver. Thumbs down. <laughs> we hope you're having a great week. We are. We'd love for you to follow us on social it's media. It's more of a tepid week, actually, if you want my honest opinion. <laughs> We'd love for you to follow us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Hub Hyperion. We would also love for you to send us an email. You can at podcast at thehyperionhub.com. And address those to John Riddling Shaver. <laughs> so this week we are in the midst of Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary. Woo! And we're looking back at the history of the resort and where we've been and maybe where we're going. And we'll also share some of our memories, our fondest thoughts of the Walt Disney World that we know and love. Throughout the 1970s, new leadership at Disney tried to find a way to incorporate Walt's idea of the working community of Epcot, but couldn't find a financially feasible solution to building Progress City. So the original idea was scrapped. Walt Disney World had become the vacation kingdom of the world, so executives and Imagineers thought to extend the vacation by creating a brand new theme park. It was a completely unique concept that would feature highlights from the original Progress City, which included exploring technology, communications, agriculture, energy, imagination, and world cultures. They placed it near the middle of Walt Disney World property and called it Epcot Center. CEO Card Walker opened the park on Walt Disney World's 11th birthday, October 1st, 1982. Before Epcot Center opened, it was a one-park place, and traditionally, you know, you might do something at Fort Wilderness, and you would definitely go to the Magic Kingdom at least one day, if not one and a half days, but that was generally it. I remember on our first trip, it was Orlando, and then we went to Miami Beach, you know. So you hit beaches. You might go, you know, to Cape Kennedy at that point. Um, but you didn't do a whole lot more at Walt Disney World. They did have the shopping and dining district, but it wasn't enough to entice you to stay on property, typically. The two lands at Epcot Center included Future World and World Showcase. Some of the highlights from the early years at Epcot Center were Spaceship Earth, Listen to the Land, Kitchen Cabaret, Journey into Imagination, World of Motion, Universe of Energy, The Living Seas, El Rio del Tiempo, The American Adventure, and the very popular Horizons. As, as I'm reading all of these, the songs, the theme songs mm -hmm. are popping into my head. Man, they had awesome music from early Epcot. Many by the Sherman Brothers. Yep. Throughout the 80s, the Magic Kingdom saw some love with Big Thunder Mountain, and Mickey's Birthday Land. So you guys would have been there. Well, you you were 86 there. 86 and 87. Yep, I was there in 85. 
and those that land wasn't open yet. But I do remember Big Thunder Mountain. And, um, you know, at this point, my dad was not a big roller coaster fan, but I remember him loving that. And we went on that several times. Well, I think you're missing perhaps the biggest attraction, if you had wings, sponsored by mm. Eastern Airlines. <laughs> but I was a bit of a airliner, airplane, airport junkie, even as a little kid. And so we would fly down on Ozark Airlines. Yes, huh? Ozark became TWA there for a while, but we would come down and I loved landing at the airport because we'd be in the Pan Am terminal or the Eastern terminal. Yes, I'm dating myself. It's okay. So when there was a ride sponsored by Eastern Airlines and you can see all the wonderful destinations that Eastern Airlines could take you, that was my favorite ride. Yep, I'm a dork, but I can embrace it. Yeah. Another attraction you need to look up on YouTube because um, it's got a hook song, but also it was cool to see all those destinations as you're going through. It was a giant commercial, you know? Oh, it absolutely but, was. Yeah. And by the way, just a quick plug. Um, episode 12 has Walt Disney World 1985 in it, and that's when I had my tape recorder with me when I was 11 years old. Uh, so got sights and sounds, or sounds at least, from Walt Disney World in 1985. It includes Epcot Center. The company went through major changes in the early 80s as it struggled financially due to low box office returns and other issues. New CEO Michael Eisner found Walt Disney World a big success, but still thought it possessed untapped potential. It was time to explore that blessing of size, as Walt called it, and expand the property. New resorts, Caribbean Beach and the Grand Floridian came online in 1988. Disney's second water park, Typhoon Lagoon, and Pleasure Island opened a year later, which included the Adventurers Club, one of my favorite places in Walt Disney World past. In the late 80s, Walt Disney Imagineering president Marty Sklar was tasked with developing a new pavilion planned for Epcot, diving into the world of show business called Great Moments at the Movies. Eisner loved the idea, but thought it was too small for one pavilion. It just so happens Disney and MGM had an agreement in place, and a new park was developed using properties from both companies. The Disney MGM Studios opened on May 1st, 1989, and featured working production facilities for film and TV, not all of them Disney-branded, by the way, a backlot and an animation studio. The crown jewel attraction of the park was the Great Movie Ride, which brought guests in large rows of theater seats through scenes of famous movies. The attraction included animatronics and live actors and a highlight reel of Hollywood's greatest films. There was nothing like it. The Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular and later Star Tours brought Lucasfilm properties into Walt Disney World for the first time. How can you not mention in the late 80s the revival of the Mouseketeers being filmed at <laughs> Walt Disney World? Well, yeah, it was one of those things that it's known for that now. Those stars that came out of there, Justin and... Huge. Yeah. Brittany, Christina. Absolutely. Um, and by the way, I could... I could dive into any one thing from that park and spend an hour on it. We don't doubt that, John. <laughs> um, we did get to see production there in 2000. We saw uh, Lilo and Stitch, Stitch actually being produced. Hmm. Uh, we walked through the animation building, and they were working on it. And they described the movie to us, and it sounded crazy, obviously. But yeah, it's a great just film. hearing it would be yeah. a very unique yeah. experience, yes. 
In the 90s, the resort continued to expand. The Yacht and Beach Club were among the new hotels. More family-affordable hotels, called the All-Stars, allowed more guests to visit. Suddenly, Walt Disney World was becoming an annual destination for many avid fans. So in 1991, Disney launched its timeshare program and opened the Disney Vacation Club Resort. It was later renamed Old Key West. Disney's Wide World of Sports and Blizzard Beach also opened during the decade. Now, do you guys remember where you stayed when you first went? Well, I mentioned the golf resort earlier. Yeah. Uh, that was our first trip in 86. In 87, we stayed at the Contemporary. Uh, for those of you that don't follow me on Instagram, one of my original pictures is me returning a key oh, yeah. <laughs> that my mother had lost in her wallet or billfold, and it is an actual key. John and Sean are mad at me that I actually turned it back in because it, there's a piece of history there, but it is. We could have funded this podcast with <laughs> yeah, that right, key. Right. <laughs> well, you should have seen the look on the 20-something who took it at the front desk and just kind of went back and forth, called the manager out from the back and said, I'm guessing she walked back and said, there is a crazy dude out here trying to hand me a key. Uh, but it got it was a good laugh, which I'm sure one of them took it and sold it on eBay. I wish he would have said, uh, this doesn't work. Just walked in there. Well, I'm not a jerk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so Golf Resort and Contemporary for those two days. You? When we stayed, it was my senior year of high school, and so we went with our show choir and concert choir oh. went to perform. So I, I don't remember where we stayed. I know it was off-site oh, okay. somewhere, but I just have very vague memories because you know as a senior in high school you're with all your friends and you're going doing stuff but it's more about being with your friends so a lot of the pictures i oh i remember that but just little snippets of things performing it um what's now you know disney springs this is where our show choir performed on the landing there you know that's a good point because in the 90s i went with my jazz band in high school for i think it was called mickey's magic music days magic or whatever music right? days, yeah and we performed at an orlando high school and then we did one show in epcot but i can't even tell you where we stayed because i do that's all i remember is doing stuff with my friends we did a beauty and the beast medley so this was spring of 93 so beauty and the beast had come out a year and a half before and I opened up the medley with a little Be Our Guest thing, you know. And so that was a lot of fun. I still remember performing that. And, and I remember... Like as Lumiere? Or, yes. Oh, nice. All right. And I remember our host, you know, presenting us our little statue plaques. <laughs> I'm kind of giddy to hope from Lita he breaks into it here pretty soon. Or not. Um, I remember being presented our little plaque that said Magic Music Days. Yep. And the cool thing was, you know, that we were kind of honorary cast members. So she would tell us, you know, when we were on stage and when we were off stage. But to get off stage, you had to go through the brown round top doors. That was like the thing. If you saw a brown round top door, that's what would take you off stage and backstage and just little things like that. And you're right, because we took a bus to, when we performed at Epcot. And, you know, back then and even today, World Showcase wasn't open yet. And boy, that was an eye opening, you know. Oh, in the morning? In the morning. Yeah, so, because we performed around lunchtime, but we had to come through the park out towards Spaceship Earth. And you're going, wait, these are people walking around back here. What What is going on? Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm not saying any of the magic was destroyed, but it was just, this is weird, you know, yeah. because you are, you are representing the park because you're performing right. in their park. It was, mm -hmm. it, it, it's a wonderful That's experience. That's interesting. There, yeah. there may be a uh, participation trophy with Mickey Mouse on it in, in somebody's home, not mine, but somebody's <laughs> home who does listen to the show that will be mine someday. Yes. <laughs> Donate. <laughs> Shout out. Nice. Good job. There was so much expansion in the 90s. We don't have time to list everything, but Michael Eisner was taking full advantage of the space. 
Highlights in the parks include Splash Mountain, Extraterrestrial Alien Encounter, and Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin at Magic Kingdom, the Twilight Zone, Tower of Terror, and Rock and Roller Coaster at Disney MGM Studios. And just the whole idea of Splash Mountain, how it got its name, has you know <laughs> nothing to do with Song of the South, but... Yeah. We've got this movie coming out. We want to promote it. Yeah. And just well, Eisner was all about you know promoting different divisions of the company and wanted yeah wanted it called Splash because that was a, a their first Touchstone mm-hmm. film and it was very popular and you know they still had plenty of time to change it because <laughs> Splash <laughs> came out in like eighty four you know so and in, in this open in Disneyland it was the first of the splash mountains so but they they decided to keep it for some reason who was responsible for the birthday cake castle (laughs) i have a bone to pick yeah well the fact that we have a pink castle again is interesting but it's not an inflatable birthday cake with lifesaver candles and a big 25 on it like i saw in 1996 and so for the 25th anniversary, can so you, you ima- saw it? I saw it. Ooh. Can you imagine? My wife saw it too. Can you imagine trying to get married in the <laughs> wedding chapel and your backdrop, which normally does look at the castle through a beautiful window, is that? They've done that stuff before. Remember when Stitch took over the, the park and. Yes, yeah. but it's the castle. I know. Well, he, he destroyed the castle. I understand, but the, the, I'm not saying I like that yeah, either. Yeah. Um, but to the point where I had a cast member tell us during that, because I, wa- I wandered over, uh, like someone we know on the show, uh, <laughs> wandered around and looked at the wedding chapel pavilion, or wedding pavilion, I think, one day. And uh, they told me the story about how they actually put a curtain up and a painting of the old castle wow. as the backdrop because so many brides complained. Wow. Well, if you're spending that much money exactly. on your wedding. You want the inflato castle behind yeah. you? No. I know they make some weird decisions, but then also there's there's also decisions, bad decisions that, well, you, you be the judge, uh, that don't go through. Remember when uh, Disney finally bought the Muppets? Um, they were going to marry Mickey and Minnie off, and they were going to take a year away, or the summer. They were going to take a summer away from the parks, and Kermit and Miss Piggy we're going to be your hosts. What? At the parks. Yeah, these are just one of those ideas that Was this an idea did in not John's come to head or? No, no, this was a Michael Eisner era Whoa. decision. And they in the long run they decided once they marry Mickey and Minnie, it would kind of ruin their mystique. <laughs> All this expansion brought about the need for a fourth theme park on property. According to author J. Jeff Kober, Eisner saw many ideas, but none held his attention more than in doing something with animals. Legendary Imagineer Joe Rohde was brought in to lead the new Wild Animal Kingdom Park. Walt had always promoted the animal world and conservation in his films, TV shows, and at Disneyland. Now, an entire park would be dedicated to living, breathing animals. Disney Imagineers traveled to Africa and Asia to study wildlife and the different cultures in those regions. Construction on the world's largest theme park at 580 acres took two years, and Disney's Animal Kingdom, as it's now known, opened on Earth Day, April 22, 1998. Today, the park is the second most visited theme park at Walt Disney World and the sixth most visited park in the world with Magic Kingdom at the top of the list. Kilimanjaro safaris and dinosaur were among the first attractions at the park. 
Rest in peace, primeval world. My back still hasn't healed from yeah, writing that. <laughs> have you seen the video of them building the Tree of Life out of that oil rig? Yes. Uh-huh. It's fascinating. It, it's yes. absolutely fascinating. I think it's on the Imagineering story. I think I that's think, where I, I saw think, it. Yeah. The new millennium brought new ideas. Animal Kingdom Lodge opened in 2001, and Mission Space replaced Horizons in Epcot. The very popular FastPass system and Disney's Magical Express also began. In 2011, the community of Golden Oak opened, and people could finally live on Walt Disney World property. Disney Vacation Club has dramatically expanded over the last decade to include additional buildings and facilities at pre-existing locations. You can live in Golden Oak for a mere two and a half to nine million dollars if you look at the real estate listings. So drop in the bucket. Mere bag of shells. Fantasyland has grown and increased Magic Kingdom size. Newly themed lands based on intellectual properties, but completely original in design and concept have become the popular trend in the last decade. Pandora, the world of Avatar, opened at Animal Kingdom. And finally completing what has been the mystery of the Animal Kingdom logo, the dragon. Hold on a minute. (laughs) We finally can bring in something from sci-fi world to complete because you see all the normal animals that you would see and a random dragon. So not Pandora specific, but at least getting a little more explanation about other worlds. Yeah, a big risk in the logo, you know, when they first open. And they never really truly got into that fantasy realm. Um, But you're right. Avatar allows them to explore that a little bit. And when we made what I consider our first trip as a family, which was 2012. I remember the new Fantasyland was under construction. So it was our first trip. You know, we were kind of wide-eyed, still learning what all this was about. And it just remember it being so exciting just to see what's coming and when we were going to be able to come next and, you know, looking at the artwork on the walls. And now, I mean, you go in and you have no concept of how small Mm -hmm. the original fantasy land was because it is just so huge and just seems to go on forever. Yeah. Sprawling. Your initial reaction when you saw the second castle in magic kingdom threw me for a loop. (laughs) I wasn't happy with it. It was just, it was weird. I just why is there another one now? Oh, well, there's three. Now there's, yes. Uh, with, uh, and Rapunzel's Tower over there, too. I mean, it's going, what's going on here? Yeah. you got to pee somewhere. <laughs> One of the best restrooms on property. <laughs> Absolutely. A little weirded out that Flynn Rider stares at me, you know, but other than that, not the character, a poster. <laughs> <laughs> Toy Story Land and Galaxy's Edge were built in Hollywood Studios. Disney used cutting-edge technology with projection mapping and projection screens seamlessly alongside original animatronics. They provide thrill rides like Expedition Everest and Rise of the Resistance, but still manage to satisfy all levels of thrill seekers with alien swirling saucers and slinky dog dash. Now it's time for our Disney views. And we've already shared some of our Walt Disney World memories um, from the 80s on through to today. But our first trip, uh, my wife and I, uh, again, I, I've told this story before, but she called me on a cold February night. We were, you know, living in separate cities and she's like, let's go to Walt Disney World. And you, you don't think that you can pull that off because you're not a parent. You know, you're, am I really an adult already? Um, which we did. And we went in June of 2000 and we had an absolute spectacular time i flew her back down two years later and proposed to her in front of the castle and we still go to that spot and um you know being able to 
walk through that park or all those parks knowing I once held my dad's hand and now I'm holding, or back then I was holding my children's hands. <laughs> they have nothing to do with you now. I know that feeling, yes. Fortunately, they still stick around, but I'm not holding their hands. <laughs> That's the, that would not We only fly. lost one once, so I mean. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> maybe I should have. <laughs> <laughs> right. A lesson learned. He was three years old and he walked away and he ended up in the confectionery. 10,000 people on Main Street. Lights Great go down. Starting. Yep, for Someone's Spectro Magic. still haunted by this. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty traumatic, but it was wonderful to be able to have a happy ending. <laughs> so what are your favorite moments now that you get to walk through there with your families? They don't have to be big moments, you know, uh, your favorite times walking in, you got picked as the family of the mm-hmm. year or something like that. First family. <laughs> it changes. Park. It's only going to, at some point, they're going to be the owners of Disney World for crying out loud. But I, I would, mine's not even a park memory per se. I mean, I've shared some of those on past episodes. It's the love my children have for it now. Yeah. I mean, when... I take a kid to school and they're wearing their Walt Disney World spirit jersey. Yeah. yeah. Or the, you know, it's something as simple as that or listening to music in the car and they insist on it staying on the XM station for the Disney music. I feel like I've done my job, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. My daughter and I play uh, Disney trivia music as we're driving to a sporting event or whatever, yeah. And one of my speaking of sports, you know, another thing that I've never told this story but at one point, uh, there was a, a a frozen. What was it? There was there was an ice skating rink at Hollywood uh-huh. Studios, and Evan got out there and was he plays hockey, so no one else on that rink looked like they'd seen skates before, and he was whizzing past everybody, and he felt like you know I think he was probably I don't know. 10 or 11 he felt like he was a giant i know he did he was you know one leg and arms and pumping and i'm glad evan enjoyed it well it was a cool experience for that reason you know what i mean but i always love just looking to my left and right and seeing a smiling face you know no matter what we're doing but especially if we're on an attraction I think it's just little snippets, little photo memories that I have. Um, my dad getting selected to play Davy's Angel at Hoop de Doo, oh, yeah, coming yeah. out with the tutu and the yeah. fairy wings and all that. <laughs> and um, Greta, when she was a baby, would have been her first trip, so she'd have been two or three, um, losing a shoe. You know, and so just like Cinderella, she lost her shoe. That's awesome. And you know, Your Clara throwing up in the, in the yeah, <laughs> throwing up in Cinderella Fountain, and then right that bottleneck between Peter Pan and Small World. Um, Clara hunting down um, Pocahontas to want to, you know, she got a selfie with her, and she was just so proud of taking that selfie with Pocahontas. Little things like that. that yeah, that's cool. wonderful. Um, one more, my son. You know, he's sixteen years old. He studies with either Epcot or Tomorrowland music playing in the background. I mean, oh, he is your child. <laughs> I'm more a Main Street area loop for my... <laughs> oh, That's awesome. <laughs> Sean showing us a picture of his daughter losing without a shoe. one shoe. And so my mom ended up taking the other shoe that we had mm-hmm. and uses it for like a little planter with succulents in it. So <laughs> really, we see that shoe all the time. Good news. <laughs> So I'm excited. We're going to hopefully get down there next summer. Now, it's my understanding the 50th anniversary is going to be a four-year celebration from what I can tell. 18 months. Close enough. So the point is there's already a bunch of stuff up. You see the 50th signage, for example, one over the face of the clock on the castle. Still torn about that, but that's fine. 
uh, things uh, with the 50th logo popping up, things being painted gold, like the clock on Main Street. Actually, the numbers 5 and 0 at Small World have been painted Mm -hmm. with a little more um, emphasis on those numbers. It will be interesting to see the little nuanced things in addition to the obvious. I know there will be special shows and programs. I am excited for that ABC special. Yes. And, and of course, I'm sure there's going to be a, a seek and find for the 50 statues that they're mm-hmm. going to have around. Actually, most of them are already out, if mm-hmm. not uh, completed. So I think there will be some fun things to do. You know, the merchandise is what it is. They're going to sell their fa- they're going to sell their fair share of that. But to me, it'll just be fun, hopefully, to see a classier celebration versus that cake castle <laughs> that I clearly have let go. 25 years, John. Yeah. Let oh, really? We're going to play that game? <laughs> we are hoping to make a trip next year. Um, and then seeing the the statues, I was really excited about. And I was really excited as they started announcing. And then there were some that I was like, well, that's an interesting choice. <laughs> and I even, one of the major websites posted a list. And in, next to some of them, in parenthetical notations, they had to include what movie oh. they were from. And I thought... Shouldn't have to if do you that. need to include a yeah. parenthetical notation, there's probably other characters that you know you could have picked to represent your 50 years. The first was the main character from Soul, which I love that movie, yeah. but I mean he's I doesn't spring to mind right. when I'm thinking you know yeah. Disney's history. Right, and a few things, more sidekicks almost hmm. like Hey Hey and Pua hmm. from Moana. I thought that was an interesting choice. Pua's in like you know five minutes of the movie. <laughs> I love that they included Figment. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Dante Frozen from two. Coco. Sources for this show include DisneyAtWork.com, The Disney Magazine, Magic Journeys, My Fantastical Walt Disney Imagineering Career by Kevin Rafferty, Project Future, The Inside Story Behind the Creation of Disney World by Chad Denver Emerson. You know, we here tend to look back. Are you excited for moving forward as well. I mean, this this anniversary should be fun, but I think there's a lot of great stuff on the horizon that hopefully, you know, 25 years from now, we're celebrating the Tron coaster and Ratatouille and things like that as well. We'll be too old to go on the Tron coaster in 25 years. I'll be lucky to get on a scooter to go around the park at that point. Yeah, but no, I, I really think right now to answer your question, I'm not sure because... The memories that attach to the park that I know with my kids, certainly not the same park I remember with my folks mm-hmm. when I was a kid. I know that's progress, but part of me is going to be torn to watch it evolve into mostly the same, but still things that maybe they loved not being there anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But, you know, we live in a great age. I mean, in the 1980s, you couldn't look back at the 70s on your phone. You know what I mean? Right. So we get to watch all these old, old, cool commercials and promo videos. And uh, there's a lot of great stuff out there if you if you go searching for it. Yeah, with our youngest being five, she's made one trip because we'd go about every three or four years. And so our next trip, she'll be old enough to really enjoy herself. And, you know, she's seen pictures and we watch ride videos and all that stuff, you know, all the time. But I'm um, just seeing her enjoy it. And then our older two... So now that they're, you know, almost 17 and almost 14, it'll be neat, you know, for them to be able to go off and do their own thing. And it's exciting. So here we are, 2021. While the first plan for Epcot wasn't built, Walt's original idea for Walt Disney World, 
was to inspire. He wanted his guests to take ideas back home to improve their own communities. 50 years after the creation of his final dream, I believe he accomplished that goal. Many of us have been and are inspired by what we experience in Walt Disney World. The sights, the smells, the interactions, what we do, where we go, the storytelling. We bring those ideas and experiences back with us and incorporate them into daily life with the goal to laugh and play and learn together. Happy anniversary to Walt Disney World. We're glad you could join us. We'd love to hear from you. You can email or send us a recorded audio message at podcast at the hyperionhub.com. Find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Hyperion Hub is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or its subsidiaries. We'll meet you next time at the Hyperion Hub. Thank you.